0: Today, January 11th, 2021, marks the 19th anniversary of the opening of the Guantanamo Bay Detention Center. Created under the administration of President George W. Bush in the aftermath of the September 11th, 2001 attacks, Guantanamo continues to hold 40 detainees today, most without charge and inadequate access to medical care. The five men accused of planning the September 11th attacks have still yet to receive a trial after a series of delays. Over the years, many have pointed to Guantanamo as a symbol of the United States' lack of commitment to human rights and perpetuation of torture. As President Joe Biden prepares to take office and will become the fourth incumbent to preside over the prison, many are calling on him to shut down Guantanamo. At the Munich Security Conference in February 2009, then-Vice President Joe Biden told the audience that, quote, we will uphold the rights of those who we bring to justice, and we will close the detention facility at Guantanamo Bay. End quote. Twelve years later, many are calling on him to live up to that promise. Among them is Lisa Hajar, professor of sociology at UC Santa Barbara, who has been reporting on Guantanamo since 2010. In honor of the prison's 19th anniversary, I sat down with Professor Hajar to discuss the potential obstacles ahead for the Biden administration in dealing with Guantanamo and whether it's likely the administration will shut down the prison for good. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Sure. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: You've been reporting on Guantanamo since 2010. Can you start by giving our listeners an overview of the current status? How many prisoners currently reside there and under what charges?
1: Well, <laughs> there's um, 40 prisoners left. Of these nine, have been charged, including five who are uh, someday, possibly, maybe, will be prosecuted in a group trial for the nine eleven um, terrorist attacks. Uh, and there's, you know, and then four others have been charged. We don't know when their trials will proceed. Twenty six have been cleared for release. I bl- or, um, yeah, I think twenty six have been cleared for release. Um, some of some people who are there will never be released because although the government has no intention to prosecute them, they've been deemed and redeemed over and over again to be uh, too dangerous to let go, even though there's no evidence to actually prosecute them. So many, you know, the, the, ni- the, the 14 um, prisoners who were tortured in CIA Black sites for years and then were moved to Guantanamo in September of 2006, they reside in a top secret facility called Camp 7, and everybody else is in the main, in the main detention
0: facility. So Biden has indicated he supports shutting down Guantanamo, but he's yet to lay out specific plans for how he would do so he'll have to confront a number of difficult decisions about Guantanamo when he takes office. So for one, as you mentioned, Camp 7, which houses the 14 former CIA detainees who were brought to the base in 2006, is falling apart with deteriorating infrastructure. What are some potential solutions for this issue specifically?
1: Well, I think that, you know, in, there's been conversations about the possibility of moving the 14 in camps, from Camp 7 into the main Uh, facility. And that, you know, from Guantanamo military point of view, that would actually make sense because it would consolidate the guard forces. The problem, like the major, major problem is that because these 14 people were tortured by the CIA and what the CIA did to them, although it's known, still is technically classified. And the CIA actually controls those prisoners, because what was done to them and what they remember of having been done to them is technically owned by the CIA. So it would be a matter of whether the CIA would allow those prisoners to be moved into a different um, situation. Although hopefully, you know, Biden will appoint somebody who's, you know, not herself a torturer, like the current CIA director, Gina Haspel, but appoint somebody with some, modicum of rationality to, uh, you know, sort of make those kinds of decisions.
0: And the cost of Guantanamo is a major point of contention. It's estimated to cost $13 million per prisoner per year, more than 150 times what taxpayers pay per domestic terrorism inmate, the New York Times reported. How might moving those 14 former CIA detainees into the main facility help with costs? Well, I think it would
1: only slightly resume if they're st- remaining Guantanamo. Guantanamo is a very expensive place because the total cost is essentially all of the costs about, uh, you know, sort of manning the detention facilities and all the of the aspects um, related to that. So I don't think it would be a significant reduction, it would be a consolidation of the guard force. The thing is that the the people who guard Camp 7 now, because the men in that facility have classified memories, it's actually, um, there's the, the guards in Camp 7, they, they dress up as if they're soldiers, but they're not actually soldiers. They are probably contractors through the
0: CIA. Another policy question that awaits the new administration is how soon the State Department will resume negotiations for detainees who are approved for transfer to other countries. For some context, Congress passed a law during the Obama administration that prevents Guantanamo detainees from entering the U.S. for any reason, be it trial, medical reasons, or imprisonment. This does not, however, prevent the transfer of detainees to foreign countries, a process that became relatively stagnant during the Trump administration. How do you anticipate the Biden administration will revitalize this process?
1: Well, I think that, um, for one thing, Biden's inheriting a, you know, like a country in multiple crises. So I personally would just doubt that Guantanamo will be at the top of his priority list. But, you know, sort of hopefully he will appoint a secretary of state who's, you know, unlike Pompeo, who's actually rational and who can, you know, recuperate uh, American relations elsewhere. So the two things I would say that um, the, the the issue of the few detainees who have been cleared for release but they just got stagnated because or you're know, are stuck you know they've been stuck and stuck stuck but you know the Trump administration essentially did nothing you know mm-hmm. sort of like the coronavirus and um you know so in that regard there would probably be some element of being able to figure out places for the few who are cleared for release. But the question about, um, you know, if Congress would pass legislation now that, the, you know, finally the Democrats control everything, um, you know, the Democrats themselves, you know, Democrats, you know, no you know, profiles encourage. courage. It was Democrats who helped push that legislation over the line. But, you know, possibly, hopefully, you know, it's become such a, you know, expensive, long running, and you know, terrible joke that perhaps you know some of the newer senators, uh, you know, in the Democratic-controlled House and and the Democratic-controlled Senate would you know undo that legislation by passing new legislation, but you know, the I mean, some of the lawyers that represent the Guantanamo detainees don't actually uh, want their clients to be imprisoned in, you know, maximum security prisons in the United States because of the inhumane conditions. So even just on that point, you know, the effort to extradite Julian Assange, for example, from, from the United Kingdom to the U.S. Uh, was blocked by a judge on the grounds that U.S. prison can, you know, prison conditions are inhumane, and she wasn't going to send Assange to the United States. So, you know, it's a it's a complicated I mean, it's, it's OK, my my sort of political sense is that it's easier and, and it's sort of it's my political sense because it's been the case for 19 years. It's easier to do nothing than to do, you know, sort of anything. So I would imagine that the one thing that possibly would happen would be moving the um, the, the people out of Camp 7 and into the main prison. But I don't you know envision some, you know, bold new uh Position by the United States on Guantanamo, at least not immediately.
0: Biden will also need to consider the functionality of the current military commission system set up to try the detainees who have been charged. The death penalty trial of five men accused of conspiring in the September 11th terrorist attacks remains stuck in pretrial hearings, eight years after their arraignment in 2012. What have been the main sources of these delays and what might the Biden administration consider to speed up these trials? Well, the main uh, cause of delay is the CIA.
1: The CIA keeping the CIA's secrets secret has completely stymied any movement on the case because. You know, because everything about these guys is considered classified, and so the the prosecutors are essentially the bagmen for the CIA. The CIA is able to control what evidence and what information the defense lawyers can have access to about um, you know their clients. And the CIA has is much more. The CIA doesn't care if these guys are ever prosecuted. They care that their secrets are not you know, brought out in some sense. So the, um, so that's one major consequence of, of this phenomenon. The, so, I mean, really that's what the, you know, years of pretrial, um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, since the, you know, it's been, all of this has been pretrial in the 9-11 case and it's the vast majority of it has been about fights over evidence, witnesses, and so on and so forth. Now, the thing is that the, um, I mean, there's, this is actually, they call that case uh, KSM-2. And KSM is the initials for Khalil Sheikh Mohammed, who's the, you know, the alleged mastermind of the 9-11 terrorist attack. So it's, and that's how they often do it with cases that the first defendant's name, and then it's like everybody else. So the reason why it's KSM-2 is because he was a the, the five were arraigned in two thousand eight under the Bush administration. The Bush administration was frantically, you know, eager um, to actually prosecute, convict, and execute them before Bush left office. But in December of two thousand eight, so it was already Bush's lame duck period. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and um, several of the other defendants you know, made an, un, an unexpected, although why it was unexpected is simply you know, sort of illustrative of the, you know, the way in which people in the Bush administration thought. They made an unexpected offer that they would plead guilty immediately on the condition that they go directly to execution. So this would have been like suicide by military commission. And there was, that wasn't part of the law in this made up new legal system. So the case fell apart. Then, of course, the Obama administration's original plan was to prosecute them in um, New York City, close to the scene of the crime. And Eric Holder, Obama's attorney general, made that announcement in November of 2009 that that was the plan. They'd already worked it out with New York City and state officials. Federal courts have prosecuted hundreds of terrorism suspects, et cetera. But as soon as that information you know, sort of as soon as Holder made that announcement, you know, right on cue, right wing hysteria about bringing dangerous terrorists into the United States exploded. Mm. And again, you know, and it was in response to that right wing hysteria that led to Congress passing that legislation that prohibited any movement for any purpose of anyone from Guantanamo into the United States. Mm. And then they they were reunited, uh, re-arraigned in the military commissions in, as in 2011. So, and so that's where the case has been. There was, um, as as that New York Times article that you had mentioned uh, had said, it's true. It was um, several years ago, I believe it was 2018. Uh, it might have been 2017. Um, defense lawyers uh, were um, in conversation with the person who is um, sort of in charge of the military commission. So that position is called the convening authority. It's somebody who operates under the Pentagon, but, you know, sort of that's his role. I can't remember what the guy's uh, name was, but the conversation they were having was whether or not they could just negotiate plea agreements, you know, life sentences. um, And, you know, and so the point of plea agreements is to, you know, where the defense gives something you know, guilty pleas, and the government gives something, uh, reduced sentence. So the only thing it could reduce would be that taking the death penalty off the table. And then Trump's first secretary of defense, Jim Mattis, um, fired the convening authority because they basically, even though this trial is a utter debacle and there's no sense of when it can possibly actually move into a trial phase, Let you know, get beyond the pre-trial phase, there is still the idea that because of the horrificness of the terrorist attacks, these men, you know, must face the death penalty. So mm-hmm. they'll end up probably just dying of
0: old age in Guantanamo. So do you think there's anything the Biden administration can really do to speed up the trial? I mean, the only thing they, I mean, first of all, that trial is
1: such a mess that they should just, I mean, if they, they if they wanted to do something that would actually have an impact, they would just authorize a plea bargain negotiate, authorize the Pentagon to, you know, um, offer plea bargain agreements of, uh, you know, life sentences. So that's really, I mean, for this case to go to actual trial, um, you know, to really think about what it means, to prosecute people and to have people facing the death penalty who the government tortured, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so it's like you've got you know, both um, terrorism and torture are both on trial in this case. And the fact that the government tortured these people and that the torture is still technically secret makes it extremely difficult for um, a trial to proceed. And, you know, the the hope would be that, you know, when they, if it were ever to actually go to trial and they were ever to actually, um, you know, have what, what they call in military commissions, like the equivalent of a jury is called a panel, you know, off officers who have been selected for that, you know, to be, you know, they would, the defense teams would before them, this question about the legality of, you know, outrageous government conduct and how that in U.S. law is supposed to have some implications for the nature of the sentence. So what they would actually what, what the punishment would be.
0: And lastly, I wanted to ask from a more personal standpoint, how has your experience reporting on Guantanamo influenced your perspective on the prison? Do you believe the Biden administration has an obligation to shut it down?
1: Oh, I mean, I think that Guantanamo should be shut down, but I think it's, you know, I mean, yes. So let's put it that way. Um, I think that Guantanamo should should be shut down. It should never have been opened in the first place, Um, but it is such a layered problem because of, you know, the torture, the, you know, the rewriting the laws in order to, you know, justify uh, what's happened in Guantanamo through three administrations and so on. Um, so that would be my uh, sentiment, that it's, it really would require things of the U.S. government that it's not clear <laughs> this government in the United States is capable of. But, um, you know, we'll see.
0: Lisa Hajar is a professor of sociology at UC Santa Barbara and a seasoned journalist covering Guantanamo Bay Detention Center. This report was inspired by the December 15th, 2020, New York Times article entitled, in bad shape and getting worse. Guantanamo poses headaches for Biden. With KCSB News, I'm Ashley Rush.